book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Verse 10. Apostle Paul concludes his letter to churches in Ephesus. Um, He places this interesting passage of Scripture here. I believe it's pertinent for us even living here today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. um, Let's just stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. I know it's a bit different. It's okay. Let's stand. It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. It says this in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And verse 13 says this, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So the sermon that the Lord's laid upon my heart to preach for you all this morning and to myself is a sermon entitled, Our Response to the Reality of Satan. Our Response to the Reality of Satan. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, this is a topic, no doubt, is perking the ears of not just us here in the church, but those that are, are against us. And so I pray a hedge of protection about our church this morning. I ask, Lord, that you um, help us not to lose sight, help us not to get confused about what we're doing today. Father, we're participating in spiritual warfare, and so I pray that you again instill our hearts, help us to rely on your word, help us, Lord, to love you even from this. Thank you again for giving us the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, church, for standing. I had a, I had a young man in my teen class today earn 8,000 points for his, for his team to do something for me. And uh, if that's you, let's, can you please stand for me? There he is. All right, can you come to the front, brother? And today, as you can tell, uh, he's just like, he's just a floating head. Like, you can't see anything else. Um, here we have Jono sporting the, the latest 2019 um, hunting products. Uh, this is, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, see, if he was in the bush, it sort of makes sense. Am I correct? If he was hunting and he was in the, in the wild somewhere, I know some of the men here go hunting, and that's, this is what you would wear. Um, the reason why people wear this type of clothing is because it breaks up the silhouette of the body. And so if a deer or if an animal were to see Jonah, all they saw was his face. It all makes sense when you're going somewhere else. But in all actuality, you cannot wear this and blend in in our environment. And sometimes I think that as, as believers, what we do is, is we know that there's an existence of Satan. We understand that, that, that we have a foe that is against us. But what we're looking for is someone just like this. But church, let me remind you this morning, Satan is not just like this. Why? Because it's too obvious. It makes sense not to. And do you know how he's dressed? He's dressed like this. He blends in. And this morning, thanks, brother. That's all it is. 8,000 funds. Good job. 
This morning, I want us to be reminded about something, and it's the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare today, and this spiritual warfare is something that should not be taken lightly, but rather taken very seriously, understanding that we have an enemy desiring to destroy you and your family, desiring to destroy this church, desiring to destroy and manipulate his, God's people to do something that they're not intended to be doing. We have an enemy this morning, and as we read through the Scriptures, it says this in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yet sometimes we find ourselves in quarrels that in the end don't make any difference. We fight against our own. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. See, guerrilla warfare is a form of irregular warfare in which small groups of combatants, such as paramilitary personnel, armed civilians, and irregulars, use military tactics including ambushes, sabotages, raids, petty warfare, hit-and-run tactics, and mobility to fight a larger and less mobile traditional army. Tactically, guerrillas usually avoid confrontation with large units and formations of enemy troops, but seek and attack small groups of enemy personnel. The resources are gradually depleted, the opposing force, while minimizing their own losses. The guerrilla prizes in mobility, secrecy, surprise, organizing in small units, taking advantage of the terrain that is difficult for larger units to use. Today, the battle for souls of men continues to rage. Yet sadly, we have blamed circumstances, we've blamed hardships for the lack of revival, fire burning in our midst. We blame circumstances in our life to say, hey, because they're not in the optimum time, and it's not the optimum growth in my life, then I can't have this revival. No, let me remind you this morning, church, we are in a spiritual battle, and a devil would seek something far greater than what you have. He wants you. He wants to immobilize you. So they become useless for the glory of God. Verse, uh, first point for us today, simply this, there is a reality of Satan. There is a reality of Satan. Many have limited this creature to be a figment of imagination. Sadly, what's permeating through the church is this concept that Satan is not a, a particular being, but rather a particular thought, a way of thinking. People believe this, an attitude that a person can possess but the Bible is clear about our enemy. See, Satan was created as a holy cherub. He was created as a holy cherub. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. And I know that you appreciate this morning. Let's turn to a lot of passages this morning. Because I believe this is where our strength comes from, through the scriptures. So in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 says this. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God. Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13 of Ezekiel chapter 28. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper. The sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. In verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. 
Verse 15, that was perfect in thy ways from the day which thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So my friend this morning, don't fall into the trap to think that the devil is this concept, this way of thinking. He's a being. And he is alive and well. Due to his pride and his arrogance, Satan rebelled against God and therefore was cast out of heaven in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. The book of Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It says this, speaking of the pride of Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of, congregate, of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, capital H your scriptures. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Church, the devil is not your friend. The devil is not your friend. The things he provides to you is for your destruction and not for your benefit. We'll continue on. See, Satan doesn't just exist he is currently ruling this world that you're in. This is not your turf. This is not our turf at the moment. It's interesting. When Jesus Christ was tempted of the devils, you know what the devil said to him? He said, you know what? If you do this, then I will give you all this. You cannot give something that you do not own. Make sense? When Satan said that to Jesus, even though eventually Jesus Christ will rule this world, and we know we, we are the victors in the end, at that particular time, he wasn't ruling. It was in the hands of Satan. And so he could promise Jesus, if you, just, if you, if you do this, then I'll, I'll give you these kingdoms. So understand today, Satan is not just some, some entity that's not being involved in people's lives. Is a roaring lion that walketh about, seeking whom he may, we know the verse, devour. He is very active today. He is very active today. And let's read the verse that accompanies that. It says this in Revelations 12.9. He is currently the ruler of this world. Revelations 12.9 says this, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. But I want us to see something. I know we're in Revelations, but let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. And this is the byproduct of him. And, and I want you guys just to see this. We'll just touch base on this for just a little while. Satan is currently ruling this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. It says this. But if our gospel be hid, 
It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God, lowercase g, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Church, let us not be lulled into thinking that Satan is on a break, that Satan's tired. Let us not be lulled into thinking that he doesn't care about Southland Baptist Church. Now, I actually believe this. I believe that God has mercifully protected our church for 25 years. He has mercifully protected our church. We don't go through a lot of the, the, the rigmarole of other churches that, that, that proclaim the word of God. And I think by his grace and his mercy, God's protected our church. But let me remind you that there's somebody else that cares about your children far more than you care about your children. There's somebody that cares more about your family than you care about your family. And friend, yes, that's God. Yes, that's Jesus Christ. But you need to see the other side of the spectrum. There is a devil that's seeking to destroy your life, destroy your family's life. And do you know what we do? Is we think that he's asleep somewhere. So we allow this, this being and his minions to come into our house where once it was a place of refuge, when once it was a place where you can come home and you can just take off your jacket and read the Bible and grow with your family. Now it's now another avenue where the devil can come and destroy your family from within. Why? Because we allow it to happen. We have a real enemy, church. So what's our response to that? I want us to, go, I want us to see something in, in Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about... It talks about, um, in verse 11, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Against the wiles of the devil. So how does he do this? Second point for us this morning is simply this. The wiles of, the, the wiles of Satan. The wiles of Satan. He does this through indifference. Satan uses indifference. To disrupt what God wants a person to do. According to some statistics, recent studies say that 35% of professing Christians actually believe in literal devil. He convinces the opponent that he's not real. And so this is what we do. We come to church and we play church. And then we go home and we stop playing church and we play home. And instead of having a consistent walk with God, knowing that there is a devil that is trying to destroy my family, is that I, I put my guard down and I allow whatever circumstance in my life to dictate my spirituality, to dictate how I live my life and how I glorify God. I blame circumstances why I got angry at my wife. I'll, I'll, I'll do things that, that doesn't please God. I'd rather please myself and pleasure myself. And the danger is we think that, that Satan doesn't care. He cares so much. 
that he's been consistently doing so for the last 2,000 years, destroying people's lives. And I want us to see something, and I already mentioned it previously. It says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Six times in that verse, it says against. It says against. It says against. So when you go around and you, you play friends with the devil and you play friends with sin, you need to understand that he is against you, not for you. He's not for you. But if I just do this, and I'll just take this promotion at work, and I don't need to go to church anymore. He's not for you. He's against you. No, no, but if I just do this in my life, and if I just spend more time on myself, and, 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 and you know what, I don't need to tell people about Jesus. He's not for you. He's against you. Read the Bible. So how can you stand firm on that? Scripture saying. And I don't want to be mean today, church, but I want to warn you that this is rampant. This is not happening overseas. It's happening here. And we're allowing it to happen. Why? Because we fail to see the reality because of our indifference. So if we have a, a spiritual enemy, what are you doing about it? If we care so much about our kids and we care about, so much about our friends, and what are we doing about it? Not only does he use that, the wiles of the devil uses, uses this concept. But do you know what else he uses? He uses infiltration. He uses infiltration. Not just indifference, but infiltration. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 is a very familiar passage of Scripture for us. You doing okay this morning, church? Those that have been praying, thank you. Thank you for praying. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Could someone read that out for me? Neither give place to the devil. Who in their right mind would allow the devil to have a place in their life? See, this is what we do. We, we look at unsaved people, and you, you look at them, and you're like, oh, man, oh, look at them. Oh, sinners. Oh, they get drunk. They get plastered. But actually, for fact, they're just, they're just following their father. That is the byproduct of their heart, their spirit. The passages of Scripture in, in, in Ephesians were not written, they weren't written to unsaved people. The passages before this, if you read it, the passages were actually written to Christians. And so he's warning the Christian, don't give place to the devil. I'll tell you why. Because there's a tendency as, as, as believers to give place to the devil in our heart. Why? Because, you know what, we're saved, we're going to heaven. We can play with a little bit of fire. Don't have that mindset, church. I should not have that mindset. Why? Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, we use that verse, you know, a little leaven leaveth the whole lump, right? We know its context. 
But the truth is there. Truth is in the, in the bread, in the pudding. You cannot, you cannot allow sin to have a part in your life and still be productive for Jesus. I know this is not, this is not the nicest sermon to preach, but I'm going to preach it because I'm supposed to. And it hurts. Why? Because as I preach to you, God's convicting me. Why? Because I'm not perfect. I'm not the perfect parent. I'm not the perfect husband. But understand this. If we allow sin in our heart to permeate in our heart, you know what's going to happen? It's going to get corrupted, the whole thing. The whole thing is going to get corrupted. And it says here, you know what? He's infiltrating our hearts. His desire is to get into your life. And your adversary will strive to influence your mind, irritate your spirit. Watch and pray that he might not get place in you or over you. The word place refers to this. I'll read it in the Greek, but it's fine in the English. It's sometimes used to signify the culminator, a tailbearer, a whisperer, or a backbiter. Give place to the devil. That's what it's talking about. Gossip. If you want to write some, some references down regarding that, 1 Timothy 3.11, 2 Timothy 3.3, Titus 2.3. And here, it may be used the same signification. Do not open your ear to a talebearer, to a slanderer who comes to you with accusations against your brethren and with surmisings and evil speakings. Isn't that scary? So no, you're not going to get unsaved because you allowed the devil in. No, what it is, is that you're allowing to, to listen. You're allowing this, this poison to enter into your heart, into your mind, and you sit in church getting angry at everything. Why is that light bulb? It's, just, it's been closed for, for four weeks. Right there. I see it. Why is that guy always sleeping in the service? And you look at things, instead of seeing the grace of God, you've been poisoned to think a certain way. In church, that should not be us. That's giving place to the devil. Don't do that. You see, the, the Bible is not only talking about gossipers here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you're doing well this morning. Thank you for listening so well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says this, And no marvel that's for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you allow lead you in your life. Because there are great men that have very fluffy words and still lead you astray. It's reality. So do you know how to combat that? Get in the book. 
loved the book. Immerse yourself in the book. I'm all for reading books. You ask my wife. We were having a, having a joke last night. And we, we had a lady over. And we were just having some fun, t- having a chat. And Doris said, you know, before, we were, uh, when, before EJ started college, he read one book of marriage. Marriage books. All right? We love them. Um, I read one book. And she says, but now since he started college, he's read seven books of marriage. And for me, I was just like surprised. Tell you why? Because my wife was counting, men. All right, remember that. That's, that's a gold nugget for you. Read books. Why? Because the, the, the reading books are, are great, great resources. If you're not applying it in your life, the knowledge puffeth up. Teenagers, you need to read books. Read godly books. But do you know what? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Get to know your Bible. If you're sitting in our, in our uh, teen class, every Sunday we've gone through verse by verse of Ephesians. We're now in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4 from verses 4 to 10. You have to understand every word of God is pure and every word of God will never lead you astray. But if you listen to someone online or if you listen to something that, or you read something that doesn't line up with the word of God, my friend, it's the same way. Don't allow that to permeate your life and lead you astray. Why? Because it's giving place to the devil. Don't do that. Give priority to the scriptures. Is that okay to say? Not only that, not just indifference or infiltration. He uses intervention. I'm using eyes today. It's hilarious. Intervention. So what's intervention? You know, when someone, is, um, when someone has a problem with, with um, drugs or gambling, um, what usually happens if it gets really bad is a family will get together and they'll have a, a qualified, um, whether it's a doctor, and then what they're going to do, they're going to intervene with that person's life. They're going to say, hey, no, you can't do this. We love you enough. We love you so that so you don't ruin your life in this. That's called intervention. Satan likes to do that with us. He likes getting into your business. He likes getting into your thought life. He likes getting into your, your practical living. And the understanding this morning is that Satan loves to interfere with the lives of Christians. His intervention is to keep blood-bought, born-again believers from living spiritual lives. And I read this illustration. It's a really pertinent and very interesting illustration. I'll share it with you. And the illustration goes that Satan had a, had Ted, a TED talk with all his minions. 
And he says, you do these 12 things and, and you'll get every believer to not do and fulfill what they are supposed to be doing here on this earth. So here's the list that he gave. It's an illustration. It's not legitimate. It's not real, okay? It's an analogy. Keep them busy in non-essential things. That's number one. There's 12. If you'd like to write these down, they're great. Great reminder. Number one, keep them busy in non-essential things. Number two, tempt them to overspend and get into debt. Number three, make them work long hours to maintain an empty lifestyle. Number four, discourage them from family time. For when homes are disintegrated, there is no refuge from work. And you know what? There's some of these things, like I saw in my life, I'm like, mercy. He's, um, he's infiltrated there. He's intervened there. We'll continue going. Overstimulate the mind with entertainment so that they cannot hear God. Sixthly, fill coffee tables with magazines and newspapers so they cannot read the scriptures. Seven, provide them with promotions to keep them chasing material things. Eight, put glamorous models on TV. Allow them to be focused on their outward, and be dissatisfied with their mates. Nine, make sure, make sure couples are too exhausted for physical intimacy. This will allow them and tempt them to look elsewhere for fulfillment. Ten, emphasize Santa and Easter Bunny to divert the real purpose. Eleven, involve them in good causes so they won't have time for eternal causes. And then 12, lastly, make them self-sufficient, keep them busy, working in their own strength, so that they will never experience the joy of God's power working through them. Church, if we're not careful, we will allow this to permeate our life. We will allow these things to happen. And no doubt about it, just as I read that illustration, it just came to my mind and said, hey, this, this. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is you. This is your area. It might not be all 12. It's just, this is just the one bit that you need to focus on. You've got to develop on. You've got to grow in. And church, again, it's not a, this message isn't supposed to be a, a scary message for you. It's just a, a, a blatant reminder of what we need to understand that the devil is seeking to destroy you and your family. To destroy God's purpose and plan in your life. He wants that. And lastly, so here's the, the concept. As we find the wiles of the devil, and I know many men have had different means of conveying that. But this is our response towards Satan. Our response towards Satan. Colossians chapter 3, and we'll finish off with this point. You're doing really well. Not longer, a couple minutes longer. Sorry, I said it differently. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Our response towards Satan. 
Colossians 3.1 If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Verse 5, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For these things sake the wrath of God cometh unto the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. First point, or A, of our response towards Satan is this, develop your vision. Develop your vision. Your affections ought to be heavenly. Your affections ought to be on Jesus Christ. That's where it should be this morning. If your affections go somewhere else, if your affections go to a man, if your affections go to a church, if your affections go to a religion, you're in the wrong place. Why? Because God wants you. Your vision and your affections should be set up there, not here. You want to combat the wiles of the devil? Stop looking here. Have you ever lost a shoe? I have four kids now. And my kids lose shoes like no tomorrow. They're just like, I should just buy one shoe. You know, maybe it's high price. <sighs> Mercy. Children's clothes, man. I'm trying to find a shoe. And you go all around the house. You can't find it. You can't find it. And you begin to stress out. Where's the shoe? It was here. You wore it yesterday. And then it's in some ambiguous place. Under a chair in the car. But Christians live their life trying to find fulfillment here. And they can't find it. And they're looking. And they're, they want to have fun. They, 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 they want to have fulfillment in life. They, they want their kids to have everything that they never had in their life. And so the, what they do is they, they, they live their life thinking that the fulfillment is here. Change your vision. Get it out. Parents, if your children go without like you did, it's okay. There are some things my kids will never have. Did you have them as well? No, I didn't. Why? It's okay. It's okay to do that. You don't need to give them everything they need or they want. That's the same with Christian life, church. And we know this. I'll tell you why. Because many of us have been faithful these 25 years. Many of you guys have founded this church, have strengthened this church, have encouraged men in this church. But do you know what? Sometimes we need to reevaluate. What am I looking at now? Always look there. Always look up. Heaven. Develop your vision. Secondly, disdain using your members for sin. Disdain using your members for sin. Verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. 
And it lists them. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. It continues on in verse 7, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. In verse 8, but now ye also put off all these. Now it's no longer just the actual involvement in the sin. It's now the participation here. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. We should see sin the way we see sin. See sin how God sees sin. I know it's not nice to say that. Because we sometimes allow it in our life and think it's funny. We allow sin in our life thinking that it's just normal. It's not normal. It's abnormal. And see, for the world, again, I'm not, I'm not justifying their sin. I'm just saying their, their byproduct is of the world. Why? Because they're just following their father. But for a believer that knows better, that grew up in church, that supposedly knows God, come on. That has the Holy Spirit that hits your heart every single time you do wrong and you still allow it to permeate your life? What's wrong there? I'll tell you why, because you're not disdaining sin the way that we should. We allow it. Why? Because we're not going to hell. That's scary. And whilst we do that, whilst we allow sin in our life, we watch our friends, our family members slip into eternity and not hear about Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're so busy focusing on yourself. I'm so busy focusing on my pleasures, my goals, my ambitions that I fail to see souls of men and I've fallen trap to what the devil desires in my life. Doing good things. But not eternal things. Church, you need to disdain using your members for sin. Don't allow sin to rule your life. I have here on my sermon notes, it says the nail. All right, and again, I was, as a preacher, you look for illustrations, and I'm not sure if someone's mentioned it here at the church already, but the concept is pretty simple. There was a, I think it was in Haiti or something like that. Um, There's a guy that was selling his property, his house, and um, the person that wanted to buy it uh, didn't have enough money, didn't have funds to purchase the whole house um, the way it is, and so the owner of the house at that time um, sold the property to him half price. I think the story goes. I'm just trying to remember it through memory. And, but with the, with the, with the condition that he owned the nail at the back of the house, right at the door, back door of the house. And so they agreed, money was given, everything was fine. Years later, the, the original owner wanted to purchase the, the house back, and the, the, 
now current owner didn't want to sell. So what he did is he, he got a carcass of a dog and ra- hanged it on the nail in the backyard right outside the door because that was what he owned. And time passed and that dog rotted to the point where the owner, the current owner, had to sell the house back to the previous owner because of that rotting carcass in the back. It's a nail. You allow the devil to have that in your life. He will use it to destroy you. You don't believe me? There are many Christians out there living their life for themselves because they allowed a little nail to be set in their life. That nail belonged to Satan. That nail belonged to the devil. That nail belonged to the world. That nail belonged to the flesh. And if we allow that church to happen in our life, you might not see the fruit straight away. Young adult, you'll never see the fruit straight away. But as I was saying to the teenagers, be sure your sin will find you out because the Bible is true and every word of God is true and it will come to fruition that your sin will be revealed. Isn't that scary? And as I say those words, the same things go into my mind just as you. Oh man, mercy. What I sow is what I'm going to reap. What I allow in here is what's going to come out. So keep that in mind. Disdain your members from sin. Don't allow that to happen. Lastly, and we'll finish off with this. You just... He did really well this morning. Thank you. And I know I've gone long. Last, it's this. Colossians chapter 3, 10. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Colossians 3, 10 says this. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We'll continue reading. Put on, therefore, as a Elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That wasn't a, that wasn't a, a, a suggestion. That is a command. So also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So our response towards Satan, develop your vision, disdain your members from sin, but desire the new man found only in Jesus Christ. 
desire the new man only found in Jesus Christ. So we have an enemy this morning. We are aware of his wiles. What are we going to do about it? What will we have to change? Men, what will you change to protect your family? Well, I can't control your wife. Neither can I. It's not about controlling. It's about leading. I will develop my vision. I will disdain using my members for sin. And I will desire to be more like Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Our response to the reality of, of Satan. Father, again, we are grateful for your word. And I know, Father, that as I preached, you spoke to my heart. And I thank you for that. But Lord, there's so many here that heard your word, that have the potential to make a decision this morning that will alter their family's direction, that will alter their direction. And Lord, there are so many here too that have been faithful these years. May you strengthen them. You encourage them because of your word. As a piano plays, as we often do as tradition in our church, I like to ask a question. You might say to this morning, Pastor, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. You're talking to me about this enemy that I have. But I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. Can someone share to me the gospel? If that's you this morning, no one else is looking around. It's just me and you. Would you be honest and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? That's me. That's me, Pastor. I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. Is anyone here in that predicament? I pray this is the case. I didn't see any hands this morning. So Christian, has the Lord spoken to your heart? I pray it has as he spoke to mine. Say, Pastor, could you pray for me? I got some things I need to do. I thank you for that hand. Just raise your hand there. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today that say, Pastor, that's me. I just have some sin in my heart that I've been harboring, and it doesn't please you. I see that hand. Thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty. I see those hands. Thank you. You may be seated. may be seated. You may put them down. Thank you. And so, as we do in our church, the altars are open. If God spoke to your heart, take some time to kneel. Whether it's in your, or in your seat or you, you, you come to the altar, you take some time. Church, let's all stand to our feet as this occurs. Let's all stand to our feet. If God spoke to your heart this morning, please come to an altar or get things right in where you are. Because we are in a battle. And we need we need God to help us through this. Take some time to pray this morning. Thank you.